0: Oh, you're good with it? Okay, guys, uh, kids, if you want to go in, now would be the right time. What's her name? Kayla. Kayla. okay um, guys we've been talking about presence huh? and there's I always this is a third this is a third bit on presence and I think it'll go into seven or eight or nine and Eddie will be talking about that too and so let me start off with what I always say about presence Moses got the hang of it and he said in Exodus 33 11 to 17. That what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? What else will distinguish me from your people than all the other peoples of the face of the earth? In the sense guys, that there is nothing else that distinguishes us from the world than this thing called the presence of God. And I don't mind repeating this a hundred times because we've got to know this. It's not our worship, it's not our buildings. It's not the quality of preaching. It's not the power that we occasionally see in a worship service. No, 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 no. The one thing that distinguishes us 24-7 from the rest of the world is this thing called the presence of God. God to come to grips with that. It's the only thing that distinguishes you, eh? So my as will get used to it. It's a way of functioning. Oh, by the way, Elmer and Anna are here. Say hi to them. Good to see you guys. No, really, I meant that in the nicest way. Yeah, um, guys, and we said the other thing we said is his presence. His presence will do two things: it gives life, abundant life, and it destroys the works of the destroyer thank you so one the only thing that distinguishes us from the rest of the world is that God has now chosen to dwell not in our midst but in us that's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world never been a species like this in whom God lives Never been a species like this. 6,000 years of human history or more than that, depending on whether you're older or earth. The point is, there is no other species that has God living in them. This is what keeps us, makes us different from the rest of the world. And if His presence is in us, then His presence does two things. It gives abundant life and it destroys the work of the destroyer. And so today what we want to do, is we want to look at four core factors that are central to understanding and practicing the presence of God. Four core factors that are central to understanding and practicing the presence of God. So let's look at it. Turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Guys, get used to this. eh? This is who you are. You're supposed to be life givers and destroyers of the work of the destroyer. How do we go about it? That's what we're going to talk about. Four core factors that will help us both grasp and practice the presence of God. If you're a believer, if you have given your life to Christ, this is who you are, whether you like it or not. And we said last week that there is the presence of God and then there is this thing called manifesting the presence of God. One is one is given a you have the presence of God if you are a believer. Not not a junior Holy Spirit, not a junior God, but all of God. So that is established. But there's a gap between having the presence of God in me and manifesting his presence. And so what we're trying to do is come up and not come up, examine four core factors central to understanding and practising his presence. Go to Psalm one oh five thirty seven onwards. Psalm five I'm reading from the ESV. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold. And there was, look at this, huh? just look at this, 600,000 or a million people. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold and there was none among them, none among his tribes who stumbled. Another way of saying it is, there was none among them who was feeble. Now one sick person, eh? just imagine that, a million people and not one sick person. And God wasn't dwelling in them. He was dwelling outside them but in their midst. Not one sick person. People died because of plagues and stuff like that. But none died because of being feeble because God sustained them. Just by his sheer presence outside of them. And the Old Testament is supposed to be the shadow. And we, we are supposed to live in the substance. And yet there be, seems to be such a gap. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed for the dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked and he he brought quail and gave them bread or manna from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing, and he gave them the lands of the nations. They took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe the laws. Praise the Lord. Uh, Look at Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. 2-7 2-7 Deuteronomy 29 2-7 to seven. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them You have seen all that the Lord did for you before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his ser- servants and to all his land the great trials that your eyes saw the signs and those great wonders but to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness, your clothes have not worn out on you, your sandals have not worn off your feet, you have not eaten bread, and you've not drunk wine or strong drink, drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God, and when you came to this place, Sihon the king of Heshbon and old the king of Bashan came out against us to battle but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gedites, the half tribe of the Manasites. Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Guys why are we reading this? Just to understand that his presence in the Old Testament was made known to both Israel and to the nations around by the cloud and the fire, by the supply of bread, water out of a rock, by safety from snakes and scorpions, by the defeat of heathen armies, clothes and shoes shoes that did not wear out, feet that did not swell. You know, I forgot that earlier this year, one of the things we had said is that this year is a year where we will try to examine this whole idea of no decay. And I've forgotten that. And Joan was um, talking about how houses around her were being, uh, their windows were being redone. And one of the prayers she was praying was, Father, you had said to us that this is a year of no decay. And I pray that the windows and be sound. And they checked windows on her right, on her left. And the one place where there was no decay was her windows. And it reminded me again that this was the year when we had talked about how we'll examine this whole idea of no decay. How do we get to a place of no decay? By beginning to both grasp and practice this thing called the presence of God because He is a life giver. Life giver. She might need help. Yeah. Guys... This is why we need to understand this. Say eh? no decay. The other thing we need to grasp is we are so accustomed to the history of God, but we are not accustomed with the truth that this God is supernatural. We are so accustomed to God's history. We love reading the Old Testament. I've I've said stuff like, uh, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. All that is good. We are so accustomed to history. And we think He's an awesome God. We sing that in songs. But we're not accustomed to the truth that God is supernatural. That He does supernatural things very naturally. But this isn't necessarily the place where we function. What happens when your windows are not... Uh, sound, you call the guy who fixes the window. What happens when you're running out of money? You find ways to fix it. What happens when someone is lying outside the church and because um, n- uh, he's uh, had some kind of an attack? You begin to call 911. Nothing wrong with it. Thank God we call 911. But, but may the first reaction that comes from you not be natural. Because it somehow doesn't align with a supernatural God. The first reaction of Jesus was always, I serve a supernatural father. This is why God was kind of cheesed off with King Hezekiah or Asa. King Asa, he says, when you got sick, you you resorted to the physicians first. And yet he's the one who suggested uh, that he was a great physician. Paul uh, suggested remedies for Timothy. I'll drive you to the doctor if I need to, but un- please remember that the first resort is always God. Guys, we are trying to become a people. We are, we're not trying to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Th- that's not the gospel, eh? But we are trying to become a people here. God, what is God looking for? What has he been looking for from the beginning of the earth? Adam, he was looking for a people who would dominate. The rest of the earth. Where did he place Adam first? He placed him in a garden in Eden and said, From here on, I want to go, I want you to go and multiply. Go forth and multiply, multiply and dominate the earth. What did he do with Jacob? Twelve of them, then seventy of them, then a whole nation? He's looking for a people. A people and let us start here, man. Let Acts 29 be a people who understand that God is supernatural. So the first response to anything is, Oh God, you are supernatural. What can I first get off you that is supernatural before I resort to natural means? Want to live like this, man? Don't you? That's when they see a supernatural God. Otherwise they see a people who, uh, I, I believe Billy Graham said this, 95% 95% of all activities in a church would go on tomorrow if the Holy Spirit left. 95% of all activities in a church would still go on without, without, without you even noticing anything missing if the Holy Spirit left yesterday. We think the Holy Spirit hasn't left because um, the Antichrist shouldn't come in. No, 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 he hasn't left because we haven't gotten it straight yet. So the same question needs to be asked of us. Okay, Jacob, tomorrow if the Holy Spirit left, how much of your life would be affected? (laughs) Thank God, man, that it won't be 90, uh, I mean, there'll be huge chunks of my life that'll be severely crippled if the Spirit of God left yesterday. But we don't want a Jacob or a Fred or a Chris. doesn't count for nothing. The days of superstars are over. We want a people, man. We want a people who begin to engage in this. That's what we're looking for. So begin to think like that. Huh? And remember the, what we said in the beginning of the year, no decay, begin to work towards it. See guys, in the Old Testament, his presence was always hidden in the cloud. I mean, if you read, um, let's go to Exodus 24, 17. Exodus 24, 17. Hey, if we finish late today, it's Marcus's fault. You know that, right? Yeah, we'll forgive him. Exodus twenty-four seventeen. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of Israel. Moses entered the cloud. There was this cloud that would always cover his glory. Let's look at another one. Numbers nine fifteen. Numbers nine fifteen. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, The cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So in the Old Testament, his presence was always hidden by the cloud. And I think there was only one time when they actually beheld his presence in its full glory. Just once, I think. Go to Leviticus 9.23 and you don't see the cloud. I mean, everywhere else, they say that a cloud entered the tabernacle and the priests could not stand in Solomon's time. But but there was this one instance, perhaps, in Leviticus 9.23, where they actually didn't have a cloud, but beheld his glory. That must have been mind-blowing, man. Starting at verse 22, Leviticus 9.22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. And he came down from the offering, the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, which was not heard of. For once, Israel catches a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. And there is no cloud to cover it. This is how it was in the Old Testament. Today... It's not a cloud, guys, but His presence is hidden in us. It's not a cloud anymore. It's veiled in flesh, just as it was with Jesus. eh? The presence of God was veiled in Jesus, and the one occasion they actually see it, was when He unzipped His earth suit, and they saw Him transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. Otherwise, how did they see the presence of God in a carpenter? He made it evident, man. He made it evident through external manifestation of the power of God. It's the same thing today. The presence of God is hidden in Jeff. He can't unzip his earth suit and stand on um, uh, Grouse Mountain and show anybody anything. Because that's not who he is. So what does Jeff have to do? Now Jeff has to begin to manifest the evidence of the presence of God through things that he does that makes Jesus evident this is what a people are being called to do we'll We'll come there when we go to the next one guys, external manifestation is what makes evident his glory and what's his glory? splendor, power, weight magnificence, gladness strength, everything coupled into this one word called kabod and who contains it now? Jacob Two things that this does say, when we begin to manifest the presence of God which is in us, two things happen. One, people realize that there's a new kingdom in town. The manifestation of the presence is evidence of the kingdom. How will they know there's an invisible kingdom here? When I manifest the presence of God. How will they know the splendor, the magnificence, the weight, the strength and the gladness of God? When I manifest it. This is where we are heading. I have the presence. I have to learn to manifest it. And guys, let me throw throw something else at you that might bother you. You need to confront your mortality. Some of you are 50, 60, 70. How much time do you have left? Let's take out that. Some of you are 30, 40, 50. Why do you think you got tons of time left? We must confront our mortality. Sure, you got your tickets booked to heaven. But when was that the main thing? I must confront the fact that I'm—I'll be 50 in two years. I, I, it's not like I got another 50 years to go, man. Because I think I'll mm, won't have you guys to celebrate my hundredth birthday with. That was just such a kind thought that I had. <laughs> Anyways. Some of you might still be around to celebrate my 100th birthday. But the point is this, guys. Confront your mortality and get with this quickly. Get with this quickly. Some of you are 70, 72. When, when will we get to this? Don't you want to leave the earth having manifested the presence of God with the people? Why else are you here on earth? Two reasons, man. To reveal the Father and to reveal the Father's business. What other reason do you have on earth? There's only two reasons you're here on earth, if you're a Christian. If not, you've got plenty of other reasons. But there are only two reasons, or three, <laughs> to reveal the Father, <laughs> to reveal the Father's business, and to see the Canucks win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> They played well last night, man. They're playing Calgary tonight. Here's the point, guys. Your only reason to be here on earth is to reveal the Father and to reveal the Father's business. You have no other purpose here on earth. And it is revealed not through talk, but through actual manifestation. And that's where this body is heading. So that's factor one. Any questions, comments before we move on? Any questions other than that one? Any questions, guys? Okay. The second core factor to understand and practice His presence is character, guys, is character. Character is basically Christ-likeness, and Christ-likeness fosters presence see everybody hungers for miracles and stuff like that Eh? they love the idea of signs and wonders and presence but, but it cannot be fostered the way it should happen if character is missing we are not talking about gifts here huh? we are talking about manifesting the presence of God because he flows through you at different times doing different things we are not even talking about gifts right now it's just a sheer presence of God But for that to happen, character is so important because the greater the revelation of Christ in my life, the greater the manifestation of his presence. Let me say that again. The greater the revelation of Christ in my life, the greater the manifestation of his presence and the evidence of the kingdom. By the way, what did Jesus say to John the Baptist's disciples when they came and said, hey, are you the real deal? What did he say? Uh, He didn't say, I'm the real deal. He said, go tell John, Luke 7, 22. Go tell John that the sick are being healed, the dead are being raised, the lepers are being cleansed, the gospel is being preached, the blind receive sight and the lame walk. What did he say about the kingdom of God? If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. Guys, this will happen regardless of whether we partake in it or not. Habakkuk 2, 14 declares it very clearly that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. It's going to happen. It's not It's not wishful thinking. God didn't wishfully think, hmm, might be a good idea if my glory covers the earth as the water covers the seas. No, He said, it will. Buy into it, guys. This is where, the older you get, the faster you've got to learn this. How do we then nurture Christ-likeness um, so that we become people who manifest the presence of God? Uh, 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 here are three or four different ways we can um, do that, guys. One, I love what First Chronicles sixteen twenty seven says. David says this, and I'm quoting it out of the New King out of the King James. First Chronicles sixteen twenty seven says, "O oh God, in your presence are uh, honor and splendor." And strength and gladness are in your place. So let me say that again. Honor and splendor are in your presence. And strength and gladness are in your place. One of the ways you nurture presence before you can manifest presence, guys. How about indulging in the presence of God yourself? Hey, you know what I do on Sunday mornings? I don't prepare or pray for the service or anything of that sort. All that has to be happening on Saturday and stuff like that. I just print out my notes on Sunday morning. But the only thing I do on Sunday mornings is um, get up and indulge in Him. man. Because I know that in His presence are honor and splendor. And in His place are strength and gladness. And if I can walk... Aware of his presence. Remember the word for presence is panim in Hebrew. And strangely enough, we talked about this two weeks ago, that panim is the same word that we use for presence and for face. So when God says, my presence will go with you, my face will shine upon you, the word used is the same. The word for presence is panim. the word for face is panim. How do I manifest his presence if I haven't engaged his presence? and don't think this is just a Sunday thing eh? but it's vital on Sundays because there is nothing I can give you other than a bunch of notes if I haven't indulged in His presence so most of the things that happen during the service are not stuff that I'm flying by the seat of my pants it's stuff that happens during your time of engaging guys this is how you need to go to work eh? this is how Jesus went to work don't think Jesus started going up the mountain at 30, 30 when He was 30 because now he had a public ministry. As a carpenter, I'd suggest to you that he had already cultivated the habit. Where in the mornings he'd still go up the mountain and engage God. Because he knew, because David had written it and he was growing up and learning it. His mom probably taught him that. Hey, Jesus, go check out First Chronicles 16, 27. And he goes, checks it out, and in there it says, Honor and splendor are in your presence. Strength and gladness are in your place. Hey, having a miserable week, it's a great way to start engage him man strength and gladness are in his presence so So why did why did Marcus go to the hospital why why not just be miserable and stay out there on the uh, outside the door We have tremendous sense when it comes to earthly things as to how to solve them when things are wrong. But when it comes to spiritual uh, dizziness, we won't call 911. We won't want to go and have a checkup. We won't want to go and fix things. But when it comes to natural things, boy do we know how it works. We got the numbers stuck on our fridge man. i got to be able to engage God on a, a, here Father, I come to indulge you. So does it mean waking up early? Yeah. Do I like it? Usually not. I'm talking about a Sunday. Every other day I can wake up whenever I want. Because <laughs> that's what pastors do, in case you didn't know. <laughs> so the first thing is, guys, and, and, and think of this, eh? when is David when is David saying these words in 1st Chronicles 16, 27 guys he's just brought the ark and he's placing the ark under the tent in Zion and David is singing now the ark was the presence of God in those days so he should have said great I brought the ark I put it in Zion good enough <coughs> that's not what he does he's placing the ark there and he's singing hey father even as I place the ark here I know that in your presence is strength and gladness. In your place is honor and splendor. What a place to start, man. I so invite you to do that. There will be days when you miss it. So what? Get up the next day. Or do it in the evening. Maybe you're a night person. you got nothing you want to ask God. You just want to indulge Him. Let me go back to what I was saying. Guys, God is looking for a people. He's looking for a body. He's not looking for elbows and noses and stuff like that to work things out for him. You cannot be the church sitting at home. You cannot be the church. That is not the biblical definition of the church. We've already talked about that a million times. We've talked about that. Your significance comes from what you're a part of. Paul used to travel with three, four, five people. But he never used to say, I'm having church. He traveled with five, sometimes eight people when you read some of the accounts in Acts. He was traveling with eight people and at the end of the day he would say, and when we came to this town, we went to the church. As in the place where the body meets. Just remember that. Coming back to character. The second thing we can do, guys. Guys, It is easy to live out of the sovereignty of God, eh? it is easy to live out of the sovereignty of God, but it's hard to live out of knowing the voice and the nature of God. I would would recommend that if you want the presence of God to be manifest for you, stop living in the sovereignty of God and I'll explain what that means. It is easy to live saying, oh, whatever God does, I'm fine with it. K whatever will be, will be. If God does this, great. If God doesn't do this, great. If I make a mistake, great. He'll be loving and he'll correct me. And if I get it right, great. Praise the Lord. Try that with your wife, man. Try that with your wife after 10 years of marriage or even 2 years of marriage. Try that, Matt. 2 years from now, if you don't know her favorite color, her favorite chocolate, her favorite restaurant, her favorite... Shoes, her favorite um, um, handbag, it'll be a miserable anniversary. It's, but no pressure. Just go for some high funder name like Prada, Gucci, and all this stuff. It always works. Yeah. Yeah. And then go get a second job. (laughs) Guys, the point is this, guys. We prefer living out of the sovereignty of God. If you want to manifest His presence, you cannot live out of the sovereignty of God. I would suggest to you, don't even learn from people who live out of the sovereignty of God. Live out of, uh, uh, follow people who know His voice and nature. Who know His voice and nature. Those are the ones you will learn from. Because anybody can do the K sera thingy. If you want to manifest the presence of God, you have to know His voice and nature. Walk walk in the knowledge of Him, not in His sovereignty. This whole thing about His ways are higher than mine, His thoughts are higher than mine, great. That was in the Old Testament and those guys found it difficult. Some of them got it even in the Old Testament. But what does Romans say? We now have the mind of? Christ, his sheep hear his voice begin to practice it thirdly if you want to manifest the presence practice long obedience in the same direction practice long obedience in the same direction when you are hard pressed as in squeezed when you are perplexed as in at a loss in terms of what you should do when you are uh, thrown down, as in struck down, when you are uh, being attacked spiritually, long obedience in the same direction. Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians 4, 7 onwards, where he says, you know, uh, there are times when I'm at a loss, I don't know what to do. There are times when I've been spiritually terrorized by uh, enemies. There are times when I'm surrounded and, There's tremendous pressure on me. But through this all, even when I'm hunted by my enemies, the one thing I know is, sure, things are difficult, but that is when the life of Christ in me is revealed more than ever. Long obedience in the same direction. It doesn't matter whether you are the cause of it. Too bad, it's too late to fix that. But long obedience in the same direction. Because the life of Christ becomes more and more evident. And at the end of the day, what is the manifestation of the presence? The presence of God showing through this flesh, because it no longer veils what is inside. Go ahead. There are some things that I'm going through because I caused them. It's not some kind of a, it's not persecution. It's not a satanic attack it's nothing of that sort I made the mistake and I'm paying the consequences but even in the consequences now to stand and say ok I messed up but I'll continue in long obedience in the same direction and in the process Christ in me will be revealed to people and the more my character is formed the more the presence of God flows without problems just as a cloud hit him then this hides him now long obedience in the same direction causes this <clears throat> uh, jar of clay to no longer hide the treasure and it only happens when I am able to go through being struck down, perplexed at a loss, sometimes battered, sometimes spiritually tyrannized sometimes hunted down by enemies, I still have the ability to maintain long obedience in the same direction. It reveals Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 onwards talks about this. Tell me one guy in the Hebrews chapter 11 thingy who didn't go through it. Anyone in Hebrews chapter 11 who didn't go through it. Go ahead, Maria. Will our character be changed through suffering? suffering? Depends on whether I engage in long obedience in the same direction or long uh, complain and mourning in the same direction. Because Israel was tested in the desert and they didn't continue in long obedience in the same direction. God had to come to them and say, 10 times you have tested me. Because character is not necessarily developed because I go through a tough time. It depends. Any other questions? The last point I want to add to this character formation thing is, guys, and this is something that we have a deficit in in this church, eh? Uh, and we, we've talked about this in the past. Guys, We need to develop a fearless confidence in voicing the story of God's saving action through Christ. Let me repeat that again. We have to begin to develop fearless confidence in voicing the story of God's saving action through Christ. We have to develop a fearless confidence in voicing the story of God's saving action in and through Christ, we prefer not speaking about it. Let me put it another way: we prefer not preaching the gospel. We prefer the other thing that some guy said, which he said in uh, he said he said it correctly. But we engage in that. Oh, I don't want to speak words. Just look at my life, guys. Some of us, our lives. So don't match up every day to what it should be. So we might actually well begin speaking to. Become not voice. I love Acts 4 28 and 29. They've just been beaten up and they've been sent back. They're sitting in this room and here is their prayer. Oh God, we've just been beaten up and we're sitting here in this room. Now, when you look upon the threats that we have just been issued and will you give us fearless confidence to still preach your word boldly and as we do will you O Jesus holy servant of God stretch out your arm to do miracle signs and wonders and the next verse says and the place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit Canadians are known for not being able to voice what is within them And Acts 29 has that disease too. To voice the story of God's saving action. Guys, it will always bring the manifest presence of God. Because remember, and we've said this a few times, any manifestation that is not followed by the voice of God can go into deception. That's what's happening around the world, eh? You see manifestations, there is no voice that follows it. And so any manifestation is now accepted as Holy Spirit. Every manifestation is followed by the voice. Aye. Every manifestation is followed by the voice. Remember that. Burning bush, voice. Double lighting on Jesus, voice. Clouds, um, um, uh, in uh, above, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, voice Saul falls off his uh, donkey or horse. Voice every manifestation is followed by a voice, and therefore, it's vital that we voice. The story of God's saving action through Christ, if you want to see his presence now begin to break forth in signs, miracles and wonders. Why? Because he validates the voice. He validates the story of Christ. Mark 16, last few verses. And Jesus endorsed what they said and worked with them. I love that, worked with them. That's perhaps Mark's way of writing it. Any questions before we go on? Go ahead, Maria. How can I? um, The best way to do it is the example I always give. If you uh, and Jeff come to my house, you'll see that it's on the 12th floor, right opposite the airport. And for uh, about 400 days, I would sit with um, a book on airplanes with binoculars with a receiver that would listen to planes flying in uh, the tra- uh, traffic control and the cockpit and um, some of you from the church bought me a wind sock for my birthday and i put that on my balcony so i know which way the wind is blowing and i would i spent about 400 days watching these planes today i can tell you this what plane it is just by listening to the engines i don't need to see the plane and if the plane is on time I can even tell you the time without looking at the plane why because I practiced getting used to the sound of the engine so how do we hear God two ways one begin to know his nature two begin to practice asking and listening asking and listening how long will it take 400 days and then when you get there you will realize that okay another 400 days but you get to a point where you cannot not hear him and secondly you get to a point where you get to know his nature so well that you know when it's not him when there's a harsh word put in when there's something destructive in what you hear when there's something that's slightly crooked you know this isn't my father this isn't how my father speaks to me so much so Maryam, that God deals with each child differently So the way he deals with Matt will be different from the way he deals with Rachel because he knows Matt's heart and he knows Rachel's heart and he knows how each one needs to be spoken to just as you spoke differently to your two boys. That's why we need to know his nature, man. His nature and his interaction with you is so different. When I assume that he speaks to you like he speaks to me, I I I do you harm. so when I share stories of how he speaks that may not ever be the way he indulges you because you're a completely different package that he created the next thing guys the next core factor that um, Fred I don't know if Matt told you these services go on for a while eh? the preacher is kind of long winded so oh good (laughs) what The next thing is, the next core factor that uh, helps us both understand and practice the presence of God is rest. And we touched on it last time. Guys, if you live the life of another, you will display the presence of another. If you live the life of another, you will display the presence of another. uh, you know, I'm not repeating this because it's some great line. It's just because we need to understand this. Jacob, if you begin to live the life of another as the one who lives in you, you will begin to display the presence of another. Go to Ezekiel 44. It's been a while since we read this scripture. Ezekiel 44. Such a strange, amazing scripture. Ezekiel 44, 17. Wayne if you can come up with one of those acronyms or whatever you call that thing to remember this that will be cool Ezekiel 44 verse 17 here's what it says and he's talking about priests see? and here's what they, he says they shall, these priests shall enter my sanctuary and they shall approach my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge when they enter the gates of the inner court they shall wear linen garments they shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court and within. Hey guys, see if you can undo this echo. Verse eighteen: They shall have linen turbans. Okay. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments round their waist. They shall not bind themselves with anything that causes sweat. So <laughs> I'm away from the piano. Yeah. Um, Wayne, see if you can do something. Thanks, Matt. Um is okay. We're doing some more tests, this is okay. They're doing some more tests. this is okay. They're doing some more tests. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Matt. Okay. So guys, here's what the scripture is saying. Eh? Priests had to wear linen turbans and linen loincloths or underwear. Why? so that they wouldn't sweat. Why would God be concerned with a few priests perspiring during worship? And yet, it's, it's part of what God is saying here. And the point is this, guys, and I know we talked about this in 2011. The turban represents the mind, and the loins always represent strength. And the one thing that God does not want me to engage in when I am working for Him, which is 24-7, not because I'm a pastor, because I'm just like you. That's what you're doing. Is that we are not supposed to perspire or use or exert human wisdom or human strength in anything that we do for Him. We do not usher in His presence with either human wisdom or human strength. This is why they were asked to wear linen turbans and linen undergarments so that they would not perspire. Not because God was um, afraid of a little perspiration. He, He was concerned with, listen, when you walk before me, you will do nothing that comes out of your human wisdom or human strength. If we want to manifest presence, the one thing we'll have to let go of is we refuse to use human wisdom or human strength to manifest the presence of God. Let me put it this way guys. You were born again to live the life of another. This is why you were born again. You weren't born again to live the life you used to live which is your own life. Which was crucified and put on the cross. We've talked about it in Christ's life. You were born again to live the life of another so that you may work the works of another. This is why you and I were born again, man. And this is rest. Got to make up my mind and say, I will desist from using human wisdom and human strength to usher in the presence of God. When I lead worship, we'll do nothing like that. When I speak, we'll not try to use words that will impress you. Nothing I do will be done to usher in the presence of God. Because that is a sheer work of the Spirit of God. And it's the same when you're at work, when you're parenting, when you're taking care of your child, when you're with your husband, wherever you are, it's the same thing. It must be a work of the Spirit. I can do nothing except obey what I hear and do it must be a work of the spirit I can do nothing except hear and obey questions, comments guys we got to live this way if you want to manifest the presence of God we got to live this way so when Marcus is lying there usher in the presence of God he is life, speak life Undo death, destroy the works of the destroyer. No one's going to die coming to church. Place a life. I told you about that church that someone died in, right? And the 911 guys came and it took them 20 minutes to find out who it was. Didn't tell you that one? Anyways. Got to live the life of another so we can work the works of another. Question me on it, guys. Do you think it's practical? Can you do it? Where well, you do nothing out of human wisdom and human strength. You first hear and obey, and then you use your wisdom as He shows you to, and you use your strength as He shows you to. You never start with that. yeah so part of the whole thing is got to learn how to hear man because the people who hear walk right Mm -hmm. initially God may use outward signs to lead me because I am so five senses but his intent is, okay Jacob, I show you things on, uh, outside like I used to do with the Old Testament people. But you're not an Old Testament people. I want you to be a New Testament person. So now he shifts outside signs to perhaps my mind. Because I still filter things through my mind. And he says, Jacob, well, good, you're receiving things in your thinking. But let's take it one place deeper, Jacob, like my son used to. Let me begin to speak in your spirit where you know because I live in your spirit. so it might start with externals at least that's how I started like I told you half my messages used to come from billboards I never told you that because that would be terrible (laughs) but as you progress you get to know it here man in your spirit guys it's the only way to live if you want his presence known you know why because what is it that gets in between God's presence and the world What is it that gets between God's presence and the world? My strength. I know the things I'm capable of doing. Get to the both and you begin to function in a way that is so God. There's another cool scripture, Deuteronomy 11, 10-12. to Deuteronomy 11, 10-12. to I bet you haven't read this one. Or you haven't read this for a while. Deuteronomy 11, to here is what it says for the land that you are entering to take possession of is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables but the land that you are going to Possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. See, we are still partaking. In a life that we seed, we till, we sow, we plant, we water. And God is saying, listen, I'm bringing you into a place where I watch over the land. I know how to water it. I'll tell you how to co-labor, but just do what I tell you and nothing else. What a way to live, guys. Do you see, Jesus was a model. Remember, he was a carpenter for years, man. And then he did three and a half years as a pastor. Or a teacher or whatever you want to call him. So he knew both sides of it and he lived this. He he didn't suddenly shift at 30 years saying, I'll live a holy life now. Because then he wouldn't rise up from the dead. He'd have stayed dead. Here is a man who knew that his father tends the garden, waters it, that he's not going to be like he was in Egypt. As I'm saying this, some of us are thinking this is so impractical. It is so impractical because we've been steeped in a culture that demands of us a different lifestyle. We don't even know how to think like this, guys. Time to start doing it, huh? So what is this garden that he places in? It's a garden called the kingdom, man. He places in the kingdom and he's places the kingdom in me. Order. On one hand, God places me in the kingdom. On the other hand, he places the kingdom in me. That is the garden he's taking care of. This gardener called God is tending a garden called the kingdom. It's invisible. People can't see it. But the day I got born again, I got planted into this kingdom, man. And then the strange thing is, the king lives in me. Therefore, not only am I placed in the kingdom, the kingdom is placed in me. And how does God water this garden? It's a repeat of Genesis, man. God is remember there is no plan B God is always taking us back to plan A and plan A was there was this place called Eden in Eden there was a garden and God took man and plonked him in the garden and said now I'll tell you what to do just tend it as I tell you I'm the guy who takes care of it anyways and so how did he water the garden beautiful Genesis 2 verse 6 and a mist or a spring would come forth and would water the garden you begin to come into a place of rest and you will find a strange thing happening you will find mists or streams or springs of God rising and flowing over you and flowing out of you man because you've gotten out of the way your life gets watered by God because there are springs Obviously from the Holy Spirit. But to put it in a different way, when you enter into a place of rest, not only do these springs of this mist rise and water you, it gets the flow out of you also. I like my mist times, man. I get up, one of the things I look forward to is is just to have mists, springs, streams of God flow over over me. I'm not talking about some soaking time or some listen to some music and go into a trance time. No, 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 no. I'm talking about springs and streams as rising because something about the Holy Spirit within you starts coming up, man, and begins to water your day, your life, your week, your trip, your month, and what you need to meet. My reaction perhaps would have been different out there if I hadn't had times of just loving the mist. Come back at me. I, I'm not angry. I'm I, I'm just excited. So, what did it look like this morning? Uh, I mean, you should try it. Just look at all that God did in Psalm 105. Father, you provide. Water out of a rock? And you did that in the Old Testament? Father, when is the last time you didn't slake my thirst? How about you had them walk through deserts where there were scorpions and snakes? Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen on Main Street, but I, I remember the scripture that you spoke, on, spoke in Mark, which said that you've given me authority to trample over serpent, serpents and scorpions. Huh! The Holy Spirit is the most dangerous spirit in the world and He lives in me and I trample over serpents and scorpions. Great Abba. And then at some point, Oh shucks father, you are shade. And you break into a song saying, Gosh Lord, you are shade. When was the last time you didn't cover me? When was the last time I read this and didn't go away thinking, oh shucks, I never saw that before. When was the last time I got scared that I didn't have money, even though there was no money in the bank? It just goes on and on and on, man. Engage in missed times. Questions, comments? Okay, let's go to the last bit faith the fourth core factor in both understanding and expressing or practicing the presence of God is this thing called faith Uh, why, why is that important because it helps us anchor the presence of heaven here on earth it helps us anchor the presence of heaven here on earth guys if I am the gateway through which heaven or the will of God in heaven is to be established here on earth if I am the gateway through which the will of God in heaven is to be established here on earth that faith is the vehicle let me say that again we talked about this Jacob woke up and looked around he saw after the dream of the ladder and he says oh shucks this is the house of God and I was not even aware of it this is the gateway of heaven same principle now oh shucks this is the house of God and I was not even aware of it, I am the gateway of heaven. But if you are the gateway of heaven, then the vehicle that God uses for the will of God from heaven to be established on the earth through you is faith. Hey, go listen to this tape. It will begin to make sense as you listen to it two or three times. I've repeated this sentence to me about maybe 14 times in the last 24 hours. But if I am the gateway of heaven, and God establishes His will here on earth through me then the vehicle He uses is faith remember Matthew 16, 19 listen Jacob listen um, um, Matt listen Wayne whatsoever I have already forbidden in heaven you can go ahead and forbid here on earth and whatsoever I have loosed or permitted or allowed or called lawful in heaven, you can go ahead and declare that as lawful, permitted, and legit here on earth. Just go ahead and do it. it. Requires faith, man. He said that in Matthew sixteen nineteen. So what is required of me? It is required of me that I establish a culture of faith. It's required of me that in my life I establish a culture of faith that perceives accurately that perceives what God is doing in heaven accurately. Uh, how do we see that? Again, it comes back to hearing. About what do you want me to do next? Father, how do I deal with this? Father, this man's lying on the floor. What do you want me to do? Father, what do you want me to say? You should just inundate him with questions till he says, my God, this boy asks too many questions. What do you want me to do, Father? What do you want me to do, Father? So you need to establish a culture of faith so that your perception can be accurate. Because remember this, we talked about this two years ago. What you see is what you believe. What you believe is what you confess. And what you confess is what you do. What you see is what you believe. What you believe is what you say. And what you say is what you do. Therefore, if my perception is not accurate, if I don't establish this way of functioning, where Father, I will see before I speak or do. If that doesn't become a natural way of living, then what I see may not be accurate and therefore it jaundices everything else. Because now what I see is not accurate, therefore what I believe is not accurate, therefore what I say is not accurate, and therefore what I do is not accurate. Challenge me on that, or disagree if you, I I mean not for the heck of it, but if you don't agree. It's a way to function, man. So, in um, Ranita's situation, what does she need to do? Establish an environment of faith, a culture of faith, where she now begins, she and Maurice and the kids begin to say, okay, Father, accurate perception is what we need. We know what's happening around us. We know the documents that come through the mail, but accurate perception is what we see so that we begin to believe what you're going to do, so that we can begin to speak what you're going to you were already saying so that we begin to do it same with um, what's her name Lorian and Ryan what do they see now when they saw their dad and husband on the floor what do they believe now what do they speak what do they do this is not a name it claim it thing this is accurate perception name it claim it was never accurate perception it was ridiculously inaccurate God would be showing them a horse and they would begin to see a Rolls Royce. I love Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Just don't turn to it. Listen to this from the message. I sent this to somebody a few days ago. Listen to it. Don't, Don't turn to it. It's from the message. So guys, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, Act like it. Let me say that again. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is see things from his perspective let me read the last bit again don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbed with things right in front of you look up and be alert to what is going around, going on around Christ that's where the action is see things from his perspective to begin to learn this man and once perception is accurate guys then the next two steps are, the next one step is pretty simple Not really. The expression of faith is joyful obedience. Once you've seen accurately, now you have to do what you need to do, now that you've seen it. But seeing is so vital, guys. Hey, if you can't encourage people into uh, faith, don't encourage them into your faithlessness, just be quiet. So, go ahead. Um, How do you know your perception is right? One, uh, hmm, good question. How do you know your perception is right? Initially, I'd uh, go and check with somebody else saying, hey, this is what I sense God saying. What do you think? That's what I would do. But as time goes by, I'll find that, hmm, because I'm getting to know the nature of God better through the Word, I'm getting his heart right and then if you're getting it right it will be borne out by the results it'll be borne out by the results not always but usually i mean joseph got it right but boy did he think it was wrong for almost 10 years before he became prime minister Half the guys in Hebrews chapter 11 didn't see what they were believing for come to pass. Eh? But that didn't mean they were wrong. So initially I would start by going and checking. and Not saying, can you validate me? But do you think I'm wrong? And that's why people have, God has put people in our lives, right? Who we can go and check with. Good. Important to get perception right. And if you can't encourage me with your faith, then be quiet and don't encourage me with your faithlessness. Because I am in such a sensitive place in a crisis that if you have faith to speak to me, speak it. But if you don't have faith to speak to me, don't give me platitudes and don't tell me what you read on Google. Because I can do that myself. And don't tell me what happened to your granddad and your grandmom because that ain't helping either. It doesn't help me. It scares the heck out of me that it happened to your granddad, so I'm next in line, even though I'm not related to you. So, encourage me with your faith, or or, or be quiet. Let me conclude. The expression of faith is joyful obedience. The expression of faith is joyful obedience. And joyful obedience has his ability to open the heavens, and activate the supernatural. Joyful obedience, whenever I engage in joyful obedience, I can't think of a time, when I engaged in joyful obedience, and something supernatural did not happen, even though the demand God was making, was ridiculous. Joyful obedience, opens the heavens, and activates the supernatural. it's the only way and the thing with obedience guys is we love obeying God but we hate order here on earth we won't talk about that today but just as God's agency on earth is the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's agency on earth is man so obedience and order work through people I love following the Holy Spirit, but I don't like it when the Holy Spirit says to me, follow Elmer because he'll teach you what I want to, want you to learn. That I don't like. That's why we have these wonderful Christian expressions. I only learn from the Holy Spirit. That is the most religious... Um, go- go- poppycock. And what's the other word? But gobbledygook. gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> you for. Fallacy. That that I will learn from the Holy Spirit, but um, He is my teacher. Nothing like that, man. Not true. Any questions before we go ahead? So we question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, uh, um, there is a time for asking others because sometimes what happens is my understanding of this is limited and therefore even when I try to correct my perception I'm still getting it wrong because I don't understand this and this is why God has placed in our midst equipers, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists uh, and and Prophets, (laughs) Prophets, <laughs> and this doesn't mean some guy who stands at the pulpit this means many of us who are sitting here and don't know that we are equippers. this is why God has placed them so that we come into a place where we begin to get trained to do it ourselves the whole idea is that you become so adept at hearing God that you do not need a prophet to tell you what to do but in the process of training, God uses people. So, when I have doubts about my perception, I still call up Eddie, man. And I say, hey Eddie, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Um, Not because I want him to direct my life, but because I want to sound it off somebody. But am I getting better and calling Eddie less? Yes. That's there too. If I make you dependent on me, you should leave this church really because if my intent is to make you dependent on me you're in the wrong place you should leave it's not a good place pastors love that eh questions please Matt Sorry. Oh, that's right, it's Thanks.